It has got to be one of the oldest brands uh, in this country. Chances are good that you grew up like I did with with A&W, the A&W root beer. The brand goes back to 1919. It was founded in, in California. Now they're all over the country. In fact, they're all over the world. And, they're, it, and it's interesting. We have the CEO with us, Kevin Basner, who's the CEO of A&W Restaurants. And he's got about 100 different bosses spread out across the country, which I think is unique. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Uh, Dave, it's great to be here, and yeah, we are the uh, we are the oldest franchise organization. In fact, the oldest QSR. The uh, second is um, White Castle, and they're celebrating their centennial this year. So you are the oldest. I didn't. We are the oldest, but you are. Yeah. So you also are unique to me, anyway, in that you are owned by the franchisees. You are not public. You are not owned by some venture capitalist out of Atlanta, Georgia, or something. You are owned by. All of the franchisees. Well, that's correct. Um, the way it's structured, and that's really, it'll be our 10-year anniversary since we became independent again. It'll be uh, December 19th will be our 10th anniversary. And you're right. We are controlled uh, We are controlled by our franchise uh, partners. We call them partners because they truly are our partners in the business. And really through here in the U.S., it's through their franchise association. So the shareholder is actually the fran- is the association, and all franchise all of our franchise partners belong to that association. Okay, and then our other large shareholder is our largest international franchise partner. And so, as such, to your point, we are we are controlled since we exited Yum uh, just about ten years ago. We are. Uh, we are really our partners in the business is are our franchisees uh, throughout the country and uh, around the world. Yeah. And, and it's, it's that sounds like a very democratic operation. I was looking and you actually have held votes about how many pickles you're going to have on a hamburger and how long yeah. you cook a hamburger. Yeah. yeah, all of the above, David. In fact, everything what's unique about our system is, is the ownership structure. But what that means and uh, it really, it, it really uh, has its roots before this ownership structure. But um, our collaboration with our franchise association for multiple reasons, including the current ownership structure, requires us to really every decision that we make that is going to touch a restaurant gets filtered through our franchise association and as a body. Um, we meet quarterly uh, as a group. We meet weekly with the uh, with the leadership of the franchise uh, uh, association. But we just had three days of meetings last week, and there's uh, you know all of the marketing calendar, all of the standards, which gets you to the how many pickles, right. how long do you cook, etc. All filter through that group, and frankly, uh, that seems a little scary. Uh, I know because I've had those conversations with other franchisors. They say, oh, my God, how do you get anything done? And the reality of it is, is you just you, you have to plan a little bit further ahead. And and I will tell you that our decision making is we are better for it by including our franchise partners along the way, because they're the ones yeah. that have to make it. No, I've got, but I mean, for the outside, it looks like the lunatics are running the asylum. Clearly, that's not. so. Yeah, yeah it's 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 uh, it can appear that way. But we have a very structured we have a very structured process. We have a marketing committee in which there's equal votes, right, between yeah. the company and the franchise association, and it's a two thirds majority. So that and that has nothing to do with the ownership. So you put that and the ownership together, 
and we are required to collaborate. And I would say we are better for it. And I would, people suggest to me changes literally every time I have a conversation along these lines. And my response, Dave, is why change something that's working? And when, when I'm asked, how do you know it's working? I would point to 10 years of same store sales increases since we acquired the business. As of today, we're up just short of 50% same store sales in 10 years. Wow, that's outstanding. Well, and, and, and you have certainly been tested by fire this last two or three years for your bosses, for the, your partners. And it continues. And it continues. It, is it, what, first of all, did you lose any along the way? Did we lose restaurants? Yeah. Yeah, we lost some restaurants. Uh, we lost uh, mostly non-traditional. Okay. So we lost, uh, you know, 15, 18 restaurants, mostly non-traditional. Mall locations, locations that were very much dependent upon foot traffic, uh, you know, shopping districts, uh, airports, uh, et cetera. Now, some sure. of those are coming back. But we lost, uh, we lost about 5% of our traditional stores, if you may, as a result of the pandemic, which said another way, we got 95% of our stores to the other side, and we have a very strong pipeline of new locations that are being built, some of which are by the same people that had to close stores because they no longer made economic sense. They're replacing them. But your point's well taken. The challenges I know do continue, whether it's supply chain and, and, and getting, you know, getting all of the ingredients you need to make your, your food or your drinks, but also just people. Um, there's been yeah. some speculation that, you know, that, that quick service could go to, to drive through only. Yeah, there's speculation on that, and there's that doing it. We've looked at that, and uh, there's no question that it's a more labor-efficient model. Uh, but we've looked at it. We've had to test it uh, uh, by uh, default over the course of the last two years through the pandemic. And uh, we've, we've made the decision that we're going to uh, 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 keep with dining rooms for, for one primary. One is we see, a, we see a, anywhere from a 15 to a 30 percent sales differential for the better if a dining room is open versus not open. That's for brand A and W. And a lot of the reason for that, Dave, is, and I heard it, uh, we continue to hear where we have dining rooms that are closed. Customers, our guests want to know when they will be able to get a frosty mug again. <laughs> I can I can only deliver that in the dining room. Yeah, that's and right. And I can tell you from our own experience in our own stores, that's real. When we open the dining rooms, we get people coming in. They want our signature homemade, made fresh daily root beer in a frosted mug. Yeah. It's an experience. We're an experiential brand for that reason. Well, and also you you have, you you've developed a pretty close association with your your customers too. I my Absolutely. first recollection recollection of an AT, uh, A&W was in my hometown, the small town up in the Texas Panhandle of Pampa, Texas. And when I think of A&W, and I don't know if it's because of that, but I think of small towns. I don't think of metropolitan areas like Dallas or Fort Worth or something like that. I think of small town America. You're 100% correct. Our, our strongest business always has been and continues to be in the smaller, uh, more rural towns um, where in many cases there used to be an A&W and we're going back in with a new A&W. And it's markets where the consumer knows us for restaurant, right? 
Um, and we are, you know, there, there's less competition because there's less people. There's no question about it. So, you know, we need to be located on the right state highway or off the right interstate uh, um, exit. Uh, et cetera. But the smaller rural areas uh, is our sweet spot, quite so, frankly. So you really, targeting. so your competition maybe it seems to be like more um, Dairy Queen than Chipotle. Uh, that would be an accurate, that would be an accurate uh, statement. Yep. Small towns. So um, tell me about the company. You've been there 20 on, well, yeah, you, you left, I know for a little while, but essentially you've been there, is it 35 years? Yeah, I uh, I started with the brand in in a in a, a employment, if you may, in 1985. I've known the brand my entire life. Yeah. I grew up in Michigan, which is a core market. The Upper Midwest is core for A and W. I grew up with the brand, but started in '85. Spent 18 years, better part of 18 years, and left for nine after we sold the business to Yum Brands. Um, I left a year after we 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 sold the business. And uh, then when Yum decided they were going to uh, sell, they had changed their corporate strategies and uh, we were no longer uh, relevant to that strategy. I was contacted by uh, the head of our franchise association and our largest international franchise partner and asked me if I would help them to, to acquire the business. And here we are 10 years later. But you know, well, that, That's what I was going to ask you about, because I noticed that, that, that during your time, Originally, you were head of the international division, That's correct. which is based in Kuala Lumpur. How does A&W Root Beer get from the Midwest of the United States of America <laughs> to, to being a factor in Kuala Lumpur? Yeah, great question. And I'll give you the Reader's Digest answer to that. In 1963, um, U.S. citizens, if you may, Americans, whom had spent time in Asia Pacific during World War II, right? So Naval they, right. Uh, acquired the rights to develop a in both in Malaysia, in the Philippines, and in Okinawa, Japan, 1963. And they started with, you know, they want, they bought a, bought a franchise. They, they opened a store. Well, that turned into two, that turned into five. There's been change of ownership along the way, but now, uh, uh, certainly uh, Malaysia, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Singapore, um, some of the original markets uh, overseas are thriving uh, today. And that really came from really ex, I say GIs, but could have been more, more likely naval personnel that served in World War II and liked, liked, the, liked, that, part of the, liked that part of the world. And so they took a franchise over there. Now, how, well, how does it do well? Um, we have about in Malaysia and in Singapore, for example, Okinawa, Japan, we probably have 99% brand recognition for restaurants, wow. not for can and bottle, yeah. but for restaurants. Wow. So, and frosty mugs? And absolutely frosty mugs. In fact, we sell here in the U.S., 75% of our carbonated soft drinks is root beer. Makes sense, right? For us. Uh, in our international markets, for the most part, there's there's uh, there's some there's exception to this, but broadly, our percentage of carbonated drink sales is even higher of root beer, higher than seventy five percent. Wow! And 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 I, I one last question I got to: How did you become such good friends with Long John Silver? 
Well, I tell you how we became such good friends with Long John Silver's back before Yum Days. So in, I'm going to say, uh, don't, don't quote me on the exact year, but approximately 1997, 1998, A&W Restaurants acquired Long John Silver's. I see. Under a private equity group that controlled us at the time. We acquired Long John Silver's and began co-branding A&W with Long John Silver's, two concepts under one roof, right? If you think back to that time, Yum! Brands was doing um, co-branding with, within their brands. And frankly, they were, we, they were uh, looking at both a co-brand uh, uh, business case, and they're also looking for a burger concept because burgers are still the number one category in right. QSM, right? And they didn't have a burger concept, and they wanted a burger concept that wasn't on every street corner, ergo A&W. But our relationship with Long John Silver starts before that in that we started doing co-brand mostly in company stores. At the time, we controlled 70% of the stores were company stores, and we began doing uh, A&W and Long John Silver's co-brands. Yum! saw that. It piqued their interest because of their co-brand strategy, and then they, they bought us. <laughs> fascinating story uh, anyway it's a great brand and it's uh 1919 it does have some long roots kevin basner is the ceo of a and w restaurants we appreciate the time thank you very much david thanks it's been a pleasure chatting with you my thanks friend. for more of our conversation go to krld.com slash ceo i'm david johnson news radio 1080 krld